We've got some great insights for you on the subject of nagging today. For example, did you know that there is a good reason why wives nag more than husbands? And that it's not actually because there's something wrong with the wife? Oh yeah, this is like Mythbusters for marriage. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. And like I said, we have a myth-busting episode for you this week. This is episode number 180, and today we're going to be talking about nagging. Hey there. Before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed admiration and how that can be a huge benefit for marriage. Worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into this topic of nagging, Verlinda. Okay. Nagging is pestering others. Okay, just slow down. Like I didn't even get a chance to ask you what nagging was. So you said, okay, let's get into the topic of nagging. So I'm like... Okay, let's get into the topic of nagging. Okay, what is nagging? Nagging is pestering others with demands, pleas, and or requests for compliance when they're not doing what we would like them to do. Okay. And typically, in order for something to be qualified as nagging, it needs to be have a negative effect on the target of the nagging too. Usually, it needs to annoy them by constant scolding or complaining or urging. What so, about just like reminding? Well, you do enough of that, then it falls into the annoying thing, right? Mm, yeah. So that's probably where you cross the line by definition from reminding to nagging. Okay. Typically, it's like a persistent attempt to persuade or to request something, but it's not overly aggressive in nature, usually. Yeah. yeah. Usually what happens is nagging is prompted when someone fails to comply with a request. Now, there's a hint for the myth-busting part of the episode. We'll get to that below. But usually, yeah, it's just when you fail to comply and it has to be asked again, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. So this isn't like all-out fighting necessarily. It's just like a, a steady dripping of water. Yes, there's a Bible verse about that. So there is. Now, within marriage, nagging is motivated by a desire for your spouse to change some aspect of themselves or their actions Mm -hmm. or to get to an action that they're not doing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's different to complaining or to venting emotion. So common topics for nagging within marriage include things like getting to household tasks, money and finances, personal habits, like could you finally trim your nose hair? (laughs) I don't know why that one came to mind. Appearance, which is probably related to that. Health, children, will you please talk to so-and-so about Mm -hmm. whatever. The amount of love or affection displayed, you never hug me anymore kind of thing. Uh, Work or work-life balance, I feel like you're working all the time. And time spent together, we never get to see each other over and over and over and over, right? Okay. Now, how does this actually work or what does it look like? One researcher described the process of nagging. I think we all kind of know this, but it is interesting just to kind of break it down and be a little bit more objective about it. So one spouse, typically we'll call the initiator, makes a request for a specific action or some task completion from their spouse, right? Mm -hmm. The responder refuses the request for whatever reason. They might not be motivated. They weren't paying full attention. Uh, The request wasn't clear. 
they didn't agree that it needs doing or just didn't want to do it. The initiator now has to choose either to persist with the request or abandon it. Okay. Now, for the interaction to be considered nagging, the initiator has to choose to persist in making the request. And the responder now chooses to either comply with the request or continue refusing. So steps, Mm. these two steps then repeat each other until either the initiator gives up, like the nagging stops, or the responder complies with the quest, the request. Okay. Now... What's interesting is that nagging can become a common behavior because it's very likely that the responder will eventually succumb and do what the initiator is asking. Oh, so reinforces it. Yes. If this happens, the initiator gets rewarded for nagging by getting what they want. Yeah. The behavior is reinforced. Therefore, they become more likely to use nagging in the future. Mm. So in the mind of the initiator, the more nagging I do, the more likely I am to get what I want. So you should never give in. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I was going to try that, but yeah. Well, one thing I think I think you can take from this is is you might is I think guys some guys will complain about their wives nagging. This, yeah, we'll just go with the stereotypical roles here, okay? Well, have you ever thought about the fact that you trained her to nag? Ooh. So who who's really at fault here, right? Mm-hmm. So one way to look at it, not necessarily the case. Like it could be habits from family of origin or whatever. But... Oh, I would love to pull that out on a guy. <laughs> Oh, I so hope somebody complains about their wife nagging. Okay. I thought you were going to try nagging on me for a couple of weeks and then see if you could hammer me on it. No, I would never do that. I would just Just more embarrass somebody else who does it. (laughs) (laughs) We're just in the business of humiliating others. Not really. By the way, please come to us for counseling. (laughs) We can help you today. So, I mean, but let's get to this issue, right? Do, Do wives nag more than husbands? Yes. The general stereotype is that wives are more prone to nagging than husbands, and the majority of people believe this to be true. Okay. Now, in 2006, a researcher tested whether this was actually the case and found that women are more likely to nag both men and other women, whereas men are more likely to only nag other men. This is outside the context of marriage, generally. So in the general population, then nagging, they thought, was equal between sexes, like both sexes use it. Yeah. But within a marriage, the wife is now more likely to nag the husband than vice versa. Okay. Because males aren't as likely to nag females. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's the myth-busting part where us guys kind of have to hang our heads and stop pointing the finger at our wives. Because another researcher, and this was a study from 2014, so just a few years ago, found that in most marriages, women are more likely to comply with a request the first time they are asked than men are. Mm. So women being more nagging is in good part down to the fact that men have less need to nag and women have more need to nag. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yes, because we're not respecting our wives. Huh. Interesting. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Now, if this is part of what you guys do, you nag and you ignore until eventually you cave in and you reinforce the behavior, our bonus guide this week has some questions to really help you break down what you're doing, figure out what you want, and then figure out how to get there without nagging and without ignoring each other. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. 
Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about why wives nag more than husbands, or so it seems. The other part of this we have to look at is not only the nagging itself, but how we respond to the nagging, because that's what's starting to come out of this, right? This is how the husbands are training their wives to nag. You look very vengeful when you say that karate chops with your hand. Really? Yes. It's quite intimidating for Linda. Oh, are you scared? If you keep doing it, I will comply. (laughs) (laughs) So reactants. Now, uh, back- these are responses to nagging. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm nagging at you. Yes. Frequent nagging leads to an increase in reactants, which is the responder getting annoyed by the repeated requests. Yes. This creates anger at the fact that they are being nagged, makes them less likely to comply with the request. Ooh. So it's not maybe all on the guys. I don't know. More oh, it definitely is. <laughs> the more frequently a spouse is nagged, the more resistance they're likely to show. But it's kind of a catch-22 for the nagger, the person doing the yeah. initiator of the nagging, yeah. because you really... You just want it done. Yeah. Huh. Now, the other response to nagging is attribution. Frequent nagging also causes a shift in the responder's attribution of what the problem is, meaning that the first time a request is made, the responder may feel guilty that they haven't met their spouse's needs or have let them down somehow, right? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. get that done. But the longer the nagging goes on, the more the blame shifts to the initiator of the nagging. The responder starts to think that their spouse is the Mm. problem, not them. Okay. So the issue is you're nagging, not the fact that I'm never getting it done. That's what that's saying. That's called attribution. Okay. Now, so we got two things here. Reactance, right? Mm -hmm. Which is anger at being nagged and resisting a result. And then attribution, which is saying the reason why I'm being nagged is because you're a nag, not because I'm not complying. This leads to escalation. Mm. Okay. So when nagged, the responder becomes less and less motivated to comply, causing the initiator to keep making the request in increasingly strong terms. Both spouses become more angry and less motivated to back down or achieve compromise. Eventually, this creates a stalemate where nagging keeps occurring without getting anywhere, or sometimes it can boil over into more severe arguments. This is like when your spouse shuts down, you just get out the bigger artillery because you're going to like knock this wall down and get in there. Yes. Huh. So this begins to affect marriage quality, as you might expect, right? Now, sometimes studies have to look at things backwards. So let me just go into this and then translate it. Back to the researcher from 2014. He found that low, he or she, I'm not sure which actually, found that low levels of nagging are linked to higher levels of marital quality. And this effect was found for husbands and not wives, probably due to the gender difference that we noted. Now, Mm -hmm. this is not saying that you should maintain a low level of (laughs) nagging in order to have... A happy marriage. It's pointing out that the less nagging there is, the greater the correlation to improved marriage quality. Okay. Now, what's so helpful about understanding these response patterns of anger, of assigning blame and that kind of thing is that whether you're the initiating the nagging or responding to it, either one of you has a chance to start to shift the pattern in your marriage because you can shift your perspective so you can change how you do this. Okay. So you're not stuck because your spouse does whatever. Yeah. It's not like you have to get your wife to stop nagging in order for it to change. Good. Just consider the requests that are legitimate and deal with them mm. is one option. Okay. Now, we'll get to this in a little bit, but if, if the requests are not legitimate somehow or there's there's too much or something like that, then maybe that's a, an honest, open conversation that needs to be had too, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So, but let's talk about how to stop nagging then, because I think that's where we're going with this. One is to respond to the issue the first time around. So once nagging has started, complying with the request, it reinforces the nagging as a valid way of getting you to comply. Not complying leads to conflict. So the best thing to do is to deal with the request properly the first time it is mentioned. And at that point, it's not nagging. It's just a request. Yeah, it prevents it really. Okay. And we we go into that more in the bonus content. Or even if you can't get to it right away, tell your spouse when you will do it. Make a commitment and follow through. And this is another very common complaint that I see in doing marriage counseling is is people not following through. He says he'll do it, but he never does it. Okay. So that's a bit of a tough one, right? Because sometimes, you know, some guys are just not as organized or mm-hmm. whatever. They get more easily distracted or whatever goes on. But try to find a way so that when you when you make a commitment to your spouse, you have something to remind you or you give your spouse permission to remind you. Just some way of making sure that you follow through so that your spouse sees you as a reliable trustworthy person. Mm, Because even on these little issues, you can undermine the overall sense of reliability, trust, and safety in the marriage because you're not complying with little household tasks, right? Okay. You're just not following through. Yeah. It's not like complying as in you have to do it their way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you're not, you're undermining all the good stuff you want to experience in your marriage. Hmm. Maybe not even intentionally directly, but just by failing to really pay attention to these little things. Now, so that's one thing is just responding to the issue the first time around. Now, another way is looking at behavioral, what they call behavioral versus verbal non-compliance. Now, when your spouse makes a request, you can refuse it in one of two ways if you choose to refuse it. You can use verbal non-compliance, which is simply saying no and or giving your reasons why you will not comply. I am not... Relax. I'm sorry, I'm being a little too forceful there. but Yeah. So it can be like, I can't get to that today because I have to get this report done tonight, but I will do it tomorrow. So that's a non-compliance, right? It says, I'm not going to do this for you. Today today. Behavioral non-compliance is different. This is not complying with the request without definitively stating that you won't do it. For example, just ignoring the request or saying you will do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll get to it. But then not actually complying or putting off the request by saying you'll do it later and then not doing it later. Okay. Now, a researcher in 2006 interviewed 101 married couples and they found that behavioral non-compliance, this last kind, was much more likely to lead to nagging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without a verbal expression of what you intend to do, the initiator doesn't know if you intend to help or not. Your wife doesn't know if you're actually going to do this or not. Did he hear me? And so because of the uncertainty, she persists with the request. Uh huh. So verbally stating that you will not comply and giving a good reason is less likely to lead to nagging than leaving things uncertain. Mm -hmm. So in your head, you might be going, yeah, I'll do that. And you get busy and whatever happens, right? Yeah. But it's actually safer to really stop and think through it and say, no, I can't do that right now, but I will try to do it tomorrow. And you write it down for tomorrow or something happens, right? Okay. To actually follow through. Just avoid the uncertainty. That's what I'm trying to say. Open, honest communication. Okay. Now, and of course, when we we say like you can't do something, I don't know why I was getting so passionate on the episode there, but I'm not saying to be a brute and just tell your spouse to take a hike. I'm just saying- Have a healthy level of assertiveness here. If you're not going to do it, be open and honest about that. Have a discussion. Maybe it's something that she wants you to do that you don't want to do at all. Uh Uh-huh. So have a discussion about that. Why is that particular issue, task, change, behavior, whatever, why is that important to your spouse and not to you? What's at stake for you guys? Why do you keep coming back to this? Why do I keep asking you for this and you never get to it? What's happening? Okay. Although I will say on that, if you can if you can start those kinds of questions without a direct why, why? yeah, uh, because a why is a challenge often. If you can stick a how in there, it often just kind of alters the flavor of the question. So it's, it's not as easier to swallow. Abrupt or something. Yeah, it's not as uh, challenging. Or even if you 
like speak from yourself? Like, is there something I'm doing that makes you not want to do this or? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Understanding the motivation is another thing that can be useful here too. So nagging is often driven by a desire for your spouse to change, but the desire for change can be based on your care and love for your spouse. So for example, nagging your spouse about their health or the choices they make because you care about their well-being or nagging your spouse to be more open with you because you care about creating intimacy in the marriage. So that's why they're nagging. Yes. Okay. Now, many people report that while they find their spouses nagging annoying, they recognize that they do it because they care. Okay. So recognizing the real and positive motivations behind the nagging can help the responding spouse to be more willing to listen, may help the initiating spouse also, knowing this for yourself, if you're on the initiating side, to phrase your request in a more positive way. Okay. Okay. Now sometimes, because sometimes the nagging that's happening is coming out of a wholesome space, right? Really. I mean, the root of it is you want good for your spouse. That's a good thing. Okay. But maybe because of how requests were modeled in your family of origin, you default to a more critical style of nagging. Or you default to, if you're on on the other side, the receiving side, Maybe because nagging in your family of origin was always led to mm. conflict, you hear a request as nagging sometimes, even if it really wasn't. Okay. So this is where it becomes important to understand, to get in touch with the care, the concern, the love that is in the request, seeing the request through that lens, that can really help on the receiving side. Okay. On the delivering side, again, tweaking language or body language or tone of voice slightly to really make sure you're avoiding your spouse's triggers associated with nagging. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think tone of voice is so huge. Yes. Yeah. And like, I even find it with our kids, right? Like I know from the way they say mom to get my attention, Yeah. whether they're like requesting something or telling me something. Or demanding it. Or demanding it. Well, requesting, right? Yeah. Because it's all in the... There's so much in tone. Yeah. And I think it's so easy, like, especially if you've forgotten something. Well, it's more likely I'm to forget something. But say you've forgotten something and I'm bringing it up again, like it's really easy to get that kind of nasally kind of tone when it's actually not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more just the frustration about it not happening yet than frustration with me. With Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing to realize. Yeah. Yeah. But but the the flip side again on the on the receiving side here is don't always assume that people nag because there's something wrong with. Them. Don't assume that your wife nags you because that's a flaw in her. Mm. She could be coming out of a place of care, right? Really deep care, right? She cares enough to nag. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. In that case, maybe she's nagging you because there's something right and virtuous about her, which is she deeply cares about you. Oh, interesting way to look yeah. at it. Now, again, you might need to have a conversation here that says, I can really tell you care about me when you keep coming back to my lack of exercise, but the way you bring it up makes me bristle. And then, you know, whatever is relevant. That may be because my mom always nagged my dad and that bothered me, but sometimes I think I do hear some disrespect in your voice and it's hard for me to see the care behind that. And when I feel the disrespect, I just don't want to exercise because I'm pushing back on the disrespect. Okay. Because I don't want to be disrespected or oh to my. feel disrespected, yeah. right? So yeah. there's all sorts of layers here. And, and can you get to those those uh, deeper emotions and talk out of that place with honesty and clarity? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. If you can't, we can help you. Give us a call. Okay, let's wrap this up. All right. Thank you to Renee and Leslie who became patrons this past week. And uh, thank you to all our patrons who support us so loyally. We are deeply grateful. Next week, Caleb. 
Next week, we have an episode on how to get your abusive husband into therapy, if that is what your husband is. Oh. This is for wives in emotionally abusive relationships who would like to save their marriage if possible. So it's not for every situation. It's often a very delicate process, though, to try to get your husband doing the work he needs to do while preserving your own safety and sanity. So Uh uh, we've just been running into this a little bit more lately and uh, wanted to have a resource available on our podcast for that. Okay. Sounds good. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 180180. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.